in a world driven by selfies and social media, where empathy and entrepreneurs are considered contradictory. One podcast has set out to put empathy back in the boardroom by hearing from the best entrepreneurs around the world. Empathize It will hear from the leaders of the digital economy and learn how the soft skills drive their business. This is the Empathize It podcast. Okay, so good morning, everyone. It's been a while. Happy New Year to uh, happy 2019. It's been a while since the last recording, but we're here in Jerusalem uh, with Sivan Feder. Felder. Felder, excuse me. It's okay. I used to be Shachnovitz. Shachnovitz. I've upgraded. (laughs) We're actually at WeWork, the new Jerusalem WeWork. It's on uh, right in the center of town. Uh, It's actually a dynamic duo of our brother and sister team, Two Head Marketing. Good, right? Uh, Barack is here too, but we're going to be talking mostly with Sivan. Good morning, Sivan. I'm the better looking one. That's Uh, why I chose me. Okay, awesome. Better talking. That's why better talking. Better talking. Okay. So the goal of this podcast is really to talk about brands, companies, entrepreneurs who are working in different fields and learning about the soft skills that they apply uh, as they grow their business, working with clients, working with consumers, working with their, their own, uh, their, within their own team. So why don't you tell us about Two Head Marketing and how it's going? Uh, okay, so we call it Two Heads Consulting, but you're right, we do do marketing. So um, I just like the word consulting, so that made, that made me happy. Um, what do we do? Essentially, we uh, create... We are content marketing strategists and we help brands, companies, entrepreneurs create content that drives sales eventually. Um, But content is really a long game and we try to help people develop systems that through content will continue to draw clients and customers to them without them having to self-promote. So it's something that in America is obviously very popular. In Israel... I think they're starting to become more of an understanding that that's necessary, mostly because now the market is so saturated, there's a lot more competition. Um, you can't just like post your Facebook ad and have thousands of people sign up uh, to buy your product. So we are seeing a significant shift in that understanding, so that's very exciting. Um, but most of the clients that we work with already understand that content is king, they just don't know what that means. <laughs> okay, uh, and when you're, you're saying that your clients or the people that you're working with are mostly within Israel for Israeli clients or within Israel for the international Um, world? So we have kind of like two sectors. Uh, The first are clients that are in Israel but um, don't necessarily just want to appeal to Israelis. They want to either appeal to a more English-speaking market, whether abroad or um, in Israel. And the other other one is bigger companies that have like global kind of things um, and they want to appeal to a large range of audiences. But in both cases, it's not just like, oh, one person. It's like, I need content. I need lots of different types of content that's going to appeal to lots of different types of people. And that can be hard, especially if you don't um, intuitively understand your audience or they're from a different country or a different town or different gender. And when you're talking about creating content that excites, engages their audience, you're talking about marketing automation. You're talking about creating just generic, you know, not generic, but creating blog posts, you're talking about different versions of content? So content is basically any information that's recorded. So it could be, and this is something that's very interesting. I see that people, a lot of times they'll think content is one thing. They'll think, oh, content is a video or a blog post. Um, But content could be anything from a flyer that you hand out when you're standing on the side of the road to a picture that you post on Instagram or a story, like any, any of those things, anything that's recorded or documented in some form is actually a piece of content. 
So understanding um, who your audience is and what they want to see, it'll be a lot easier for you to figure out what kind of content you should be creating. So for our own business, um, we create videos. For a while, we were creating blog posts, but we saw that our audience wasn't engaging with them as much. We don't create podcasts just because um, I don't listen to them, so I, <laughs> it's hard for me to, to create them. Uh, but we really chose a medium that we felt our audience would engage with, and the videos that we post um, get you know thousands of views because we understood very quickly that that was what they wanted to see. But if you're trying to appeal to a different audience, maybe that's a little bit older or is not accessing media on their phones in the same way, then maybe a blog would be a great way or a, or a podcast. So it's really anything, um, but it starts with understanding what your audience wants to engage with. So you're mostly, if I understood correctly, you're mostly focusing on the video creation and getting brands for... No, mo- for ourselves. For yourself. For ourselves. But that was just an example of like the content that we create for our particular audience. But I think, I think the brands that are successful are the ones that have lots of different types of content that speak to lots of different types of people. So diversing the content, diversifying yeah. the, the content offerings yeah, for exactly. the client, for the customer, yeah. uh, depending on who their audience is. Have you seen any shifts recently or trends recently that in terms of preference to specific kind of content over other kinds of content? Yeah, yeah. so that's very interesting. We get asked that a lot. Um, I will give you a hint that if you are posting videos, you should quickly go on YouTube because uh, I actually spoke to the head of um, YouTube Israel and she was saying that they're seeing a real shift in um, now smaller companies even starting to put um, valuable video content on YouTube as opposed to just Facebook and Instagram um, because... Uh, people want to be able to search it later on. So definitely video is a huge one. And that's, I think most people hear about us because they see our videos and they're excited about that. Um, But it's important not to forget that there are lots of different types. I think podcasts are very big in America uh, or like English speaking countries, not so much in Israel. There are people who run podcasts, but I would say if you look at the numbers statistically, it's just not, uh, not as valuable here as it would be someplace else. Um, Instagram. So like pictures, those are huge. If you can take a nice picture, you're, you're good to go. Um, blog posts, I know that people say that they're very valuable and they are for SEO purposes and for constantly being found. Um, but in terms of immediately engaging your audience, I would say much less. So it really depends like where you're kind of at holding, um, and who you're trying to appeal to, but I would definitely say video is like numero uno if you're going to do anything. Okay. And in terms of your video, what kind of videos would you usually create? Like how long do you usually recommend that uh, companies or brands work with? So I actually give a whole free workshop about this because I got really tired of getting phone calls about people who said I need a promo video and my answer was, no, you don't. Um, I would say that um, people make the mistake of thinking that uh, about creating videos that are high quality and they don't create videos that are high engagement. Um, So if you want to create a video that will actually do something uh, useful for your business, it shouldn't be more, uh, like depending on the platform, it shouldn't be more than a minute. Again, if you have somebody who's willing, if you have a captivated audience, either they're sitting in front of you and like looking at the screen or they're on YouTube, then I'd say like maximum five minutes. Um, Slipping a little Hebrew word. Sorry, yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, basically like on Facebook, people watch for 10 seconds. On YouTube, it's more like two, three minutes. On LinkedIn, also like 15 seconds. So each platform has different rules, um, but the short, the shorter, the better, basically. Okay, and what? So obviously, you're creating very small, bite-sized pieces of content, consumable content, is what might be like to call it in the yeah. marketing world. Um, so you're creating consumable content, and how do you make sure that you, as whether you as the client, meaning the the end who you're trying to reach, the end user, or the person you're working on behalf of your uh, client base, 
how do you make sure that the, the their audience stays engaged throughout you know the 10 second clips you have one you know whether you're creating of 10 versions of 10 second clips or you're creating just one 10 second clip how do you make sure that they're staying engaged so there are a few rules <clears throat> um and i think that it really is like a pretty simple formula um so i'll just take facebook because i think that's kind of where everyone starts off because they just understand it much better on facebook um, Facebook counts a view as three seconds, which means that if it autoplays on someone's newsfeed, like, that counts as a view. Um, but that's not very valuable to you if they don't stay <clears throat> and actually watch what you've created. Um, so I see a lot of people making the mistake of starting the video with their logo, and you should never start a Facebook video with your logo. You need to start off literally the first words out of your mouth need to be, this is what I'm going to talk about on today's video. And as stupid as that sounds, it's actually the way that you're going to draw somebody in because they're not gonna stick around and wait to go through all of your beautiful drone shots or your creative footage. Like, Stop thinking like a cinematographer and start thinking like somebody who's really trying to engage people in their videos. Um, so you start off right away with what you're gonna talk about, the hook. Um, and then you go straight into the meat of what you're going to really talk about. And at the end, you could pitch yourself or your product or call to action. But again, the goal is to get people to watch for more than 10 seconds. So for us, we only upload 30 second videos where we basically explain to you what we're going to talk about on our weekly video and then include a link to YouTube. Mm -hmm. And that really sifts through the people who want to create a valuable relationship with us who are interested in what we have to say. So some of our videos on Facebook have thousands of views, but the ones on YouTube have much lower because those are the people who actually want to watch what we have to say. So in some ways, you've actually qualified the lead by, exactly. by creating a 30-second... And second. content can really do that. You can really sift through the noise and find the five or six people who are right away going to be willing to buy your product by the time they get to the end of that kind of uh, funnel. Okay. And <clears throat> so you've worked with... You've been around for how long? Well, I'm 28, so about 28 years now. <laughs> no, not you specifically. I'm at your company. Uh, so I actually left um, the company that I worked for about a year ago. So I've been, I want to say on my own. I've been on my own for about a year, and my brother joined me um, a couple months ago. Um, and we are doing this full-time together. But I've for about a year, I've been on my own now. Awesome. And what kind of clients would you say is your ideal client, besides saying everyone, because everyone could say that? But if you I don't say, oh my gosh, no, 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 we don't say everyone, we're very into like niche target audience, not women or people with dogs. Um, no, not everyone is our ideal client. In fact, we actually turn a lot of people away um, and we always, I think... We've all been there. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we've had a few people who are like, this is not going to work out. Um, our let's ideal... talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> let's talk about that for a second. Let's talk okay. about the, uh, it's not going to work out experience. Yeah. Okay, well, um, sorry, I didn't how do you qualify your own leads? Once, let's say they've seen the video, they've, yeah. they've, they've seen the video, they've so come to... this really interesting thing happened. What, what used to happen was I'd get, um, I would get most of my work from ref referrals. So it would be like some guy would say, oh, I know this girl who does, I don't know, marketing something, or maybe she does something with videos. I'm not sure, you should give her a call. So I'd get a call from somebody who knew I did maybe marketing, maybe videos, maybe something, he's not sure, and we would spend like three hours talking or I would have to send them a price quote or I'd have to explain to them what I did and it was just a lot of time um, and what's very interesting is since we put started putting out content and it's surprisingly only been about two months that we really have like we created our strategy and then we like went for it every single client that we have now that we have taken on has come to us through our content we haven't um, we haven't had to pitch ourselves people have actually actually called us and asked us what we do and how they could pay us to work for them um, and that's literally from us putting out information that has nothing to do with what we do. We're not trying to sell you anything. We just give you valuable information. Um, and at first I was like, oh, wow, this is like so interesting that people are watching the videos and then wanting to hire us. But it was I was actually shocked 
because the one person that called us that hadn't seen any of our stuff and had come as a referral, <laughs> I, we went through the same process of we met with them. It was like hours of negotiations. We sent them like a price quote and we came up with a plan. And like at the end, it was just like they wanted us to do more and more without committing. And I was like, wait a minute. The people who are watching my content, by the time they call me, they're like, here's the check. Where, when can we meet? And the one person who came to us through a referral, I was like, ah, now I see why we're doing content marketing. So I really prefer people who've been with us on the journey, who watch our stuff, engage in our posts, um, ask questions. I mean, we literally give all of the information away in some way or another. Um, and then by the time they get to us, they're like, great, let's work together. So my ideal client is somebody who knows who I am, what I do, trusts me, thinks I'm going to do a great job and doesn't need me to like convince them in terms of the size of the company or the this, like, okay, yes, obviously I'd love to work for Google. So, you know, if that's possible, great. But really, I think anyone who trusts us to do a good job, that's my ideal client. And I think the trust is really something that content helps create because they feel like they know us. So trust is not necessarily, I mean, it is in some ways a hard business skill, but it's also a, what I like to call the softer skills in business. And you mentioned that people like to, your ideal client and everyone's ideal client is really the, those who trust your work and trust the process and the journey, yeah. which I, I happen to agree with 100% and the clients that we've worked with are those. And we've also all had nightmare clients. We all know them. Um, we all can put our picture on them um, and put it, you know, our face to them. Visualize them. Visualize them and put our, our, our little dartboard on them, whatever. But besides the nightmare clients, we all have this issue of trust that we want to talk about. Uh, trust that people know that our service that we're providing and the, and the, the output is going to be great as well. What would be the best way for you to describe to the listeners how you make sure that people understand the work, even though they've seen your video, they've gone to the, the next step, going to the longer version of your video, they've heard your content, they've heard your, your pitch, or they've heard what you provide and the value. How do you make sure that they say, okay, that's great, now I want to make sure that I really trust them? I didn't get it. Okay. So <laughs> how do you make sure that the trust that you're getting, that they're, they're receiving, that you're making sure that you're trustful, that they could trust you just from the video? Oh, so it's not really just from the video. And that's where I think people make the mistake of thinking that if I put out one piece of content, that'll be enough. And I see a lot of entrepreneurs who do this, that they just like blast the content. They're like, I made a video. I made a hundred videos. And I'm like, great. How is this creating a relationship with me? What journey are you taking me on? Um, Videos is our first customer touch point. That's the place where you're going to probably see us first and get to know us and then be interested in continuing this journey. Then we have a whole path that we take you on. Uh, we provide worksheets and you can download those. Um, you know, we have a Facebook group where the people who really want to engage with us, like on a regular basis, they come and it's not just about us. It's really, it's actually become a very like powerful group of entrepreneurs talking about marketing and figuring that out, like specifically in Israel. Um, and by building all of these different pillars, not only do we establish ourselves as the expert because we're running the group, we're creating the videos and we've given you the worksheets, but we've also built trust by answering literally every question you have. I answer private messages. I get text messages. People call me all the time. And, you know, I really like this saying, I don't remember who said it, but it's like, do what doesn't scale. Um, so obviously multiplying ourselves into a hundred different people that can always answer questions isn't scalable, but right now it's. Essentially, we answer one person's question in a valuable way and build that relationship, and that is the way that you build trust. It isn't, it isn't just by creating one video. Um, so I think you really have to have a plan when you go in of like, how are you going to deepen that relationship? And again, everyone who's come to us, it, it isn't because they watched one video. Like a lot of times, people will be following us for months and then they'll reach out, and that's great. 
But building relationship doesn't happen overnight, and content can do that if you create the journey for the person. Awesome. And when you take them on the journey, and you're taking their customer on your journey, I write your journey, I like that word. Yeah. Um, I was actually talking to someone else about that anyways. Um, so you're talking about journeys, you're talking about the, there's a, obviously there's a customer flow and you know, that experience, and you're navigating the customer through the beginning, the first touch point, throughout. How do you make sure that they understand that this is a journey, a process, like you said in the beginning, it's a long game, it's a content, it's a long game, it doesn't make a difference what kind of content it is. How do you make sure that they understand that so that they're not expecting a right away, a long, you know, a quick video, a quick piece of content, two pieces of content, as opposed to saying, you know, just you have to make sure that we're going to create at least five, ten, whatever it is. How would you do that? So I think that's where the finding your ideal client comes in. Um, I could say that we've definitely had clients who were like, okay, great, where do I sign? And then they were like, why haven't I immediately seen results? Um, but I think one of the things that we try to do is from the first meeting, we already create this expectation of this is going to take a while. Um, so even just something small, like we don't have anything like a one-time consultation. You have to hire us on a retainer for at least three months. Um, and that's our way. And the people who don't want to, that's great. And the people who do are going in already preparing themselves that nothing is going to happen the first week. Um, so we definitely have, you know, we have like one client who's like, I don't understand. Like, what are you guys doing? Um, and then every time we show them, they're like, oh, wow, okay, I get it. But they sometimes feel the sense of panic of like, why hasn't this immediately turned into a million dollars? And we're like, well, we've been working with you for literally two weeks, so that's not realistic. Um, so I definitely think there's managing client expectations for sure. Um, but what we start off with is showing them how we do it and kind of holding their hand through even just the addressing that fear that this is going to take a long time. And I think especially in our culture, which is like instantaneous results, if my web page doesn't load in three seconds, I'm going to leave. Um, it is counterintuitive to invest in something that seems like it's going to take a long time. Uh, but I think because so many big entrepreneurs talk about it, like Gary Vee, and I have some, I mean, he's just, whoever one seems to know, but I have my favorites. Um, Who are your favorites? I'm really into Sunny Leonard Easy. Okay. <laughs> um, I think when I think about a woman who I would want to be like, because um, I think I see a lot of like big people who are, are um, you know, male, and it's hard for me to connect with that just because I'm like, but I, I'm not that way. I'm not as aggressive. I'm not like Tony Robbins. I'm not, and not that women can't be like that, but it doesn't speak to me. So I'm starting to see women who are coming up in the kind of like creating content and being visible and doing it in a way that isn't like girly and trying not to be bold and brave and, you know, big, but really just like owning it and in a good way that feels like right. Um, and I just like literally like if I'm copying anyone, it's probably her. Even I got my hair with it. No, I'm checking that. <laughs> but um, yeah, but I think because there's there's a much bigger understanding, you know, when people like Gary Vee talk about the fact that. 15 years ago he was posting videos and no one was watching about and no one was watching and you know it's like a long game people hear that they don't know what that means but i think they at least have the understanding that okay it's not gonna happen overnight even though they still think that it is or you know i have a lot of people that say like i want to become famous on instagram how can i do that i'm like okay well <clears throat> take a calendar and block off six months <laughs> and let's start you know but it's like what do you mean i can't just like and unlike everyone and then follow and follow and then become famous so it's it yeah I think it's um it's definitely a balance uh but I think if you go in understanding that you need to be calm and just walk your client through the fact that it's not going to happen overnight they'll usually take your lead and if not then we'll find somebody else who'll you know. okay and now that you've been working with clients for I guess about a year right? I mean before then also but not on my own I was right. part of the company so yeah 
So now you've been working with clients with, for about a year on your own with your brother, partially. Um, hi, Barack. <laughs> um, he's a quiet guy. He listens yeah. to everything. He yeah. like processes yeah. and it will all. He processes and then he makes and makes sure that he's like, what did you just say last night? <laughs> okay. So now that you've been working for about a year and you're working with some clients that you obviously really like, what do you enjoy about the fact that they, what did you enjoy about that, working with them? That you said is this is why I, I went into business by myself besides the love of going out being an entrepreneur which many people have that passion but not everyone executes on that but I'm talking about really working with the clients providing them something you're just like I can't believe I took them from here to here and that was why I did so it's funny because I think I get a lot less satisfaction from that uh, than I do from somebody who I'm not working for calling me to tell me that I've inspired them to go off on their own um, and do their own thing or make a video or post a, a blog post or engage, you know, in a group. Um, and that to me is a lot more meaningful. I think that I spent a lot of time looking for inspiration that I could look up to. And I think feeling good about the accomplishments you've done with a client, like, oh, wow, I got a thousand people to sign up or I got a hundred likes. I don't know. Those feel like vanity metrics. Those don't feel, you know, I don't, I don't feel. I'm not saying, not, I'm not saying <laughs> vanity metrics. I'm saying is the clients that you work with, you've obviously taken on a journey. You're taking them there. You're taking them and the customers that they're about to or trying to reach on a journey. That success, and they say is, we've seen numbers, right? Mm. Client that we ha that I have sees the numbers of growth, we've reduced the number of convert, we reduced the amount of cost, we increased the number of conversions. For them, that's an amazing accomplishment. They say, well, okay, that number, times the amount of money that we invested in you, plus the amount of profit that we made, that's value. They're happy about it, we're happy, we're all great, and everything's good. Mm. Obviously, you're talking about inspiring people as well to go out there and be on their own and do whatever they want to do that they're passionate about. But I'm talking about more about working with that client, that feeling of accomplishment. How do you express or how do you see that with your clients? How do you make sure that they understand that? How do you show them that? And also, what, give me an example of a great client that you're just like, wow, that was awesome. Um, well, right now we're working with a client to set up a system that they won't have to constantly be redoing over. Like right now it's a lot of them having to individually make the sale or individually market or, you know, connect with the well, customers. Uh, right. So to try to automate that, um, and set that up. And I think that they've, first of all, they have a lot more time now to themselves. Um, but I think that they felt this real sense of relief because I, I don't think they ever saw themselves being able to pull back from the business. And now that we're kind of getting it set up on autopilot, um, they're starting to see how they can expand, how they can hire people, how they can constantly be filling the spots that they need to be filling without having to always be doing it on their own. And I don't even think when we started that they envisioned that. I think they were like, come and market for us. And that we kind of showed them like, actually what we're going to do is make sure that you can scale and pull back from the business and have it double in profits. Um, so I think it was like an added bonus that they didn't even expect to have and exceeding that expectation for them and being able to create something for them that is really a legacy and not necessarily just like, oh, thank you for helping us get more clients. That's been really cool, like kind of that extra so you're taking So you're taking the person who was originally coming just to get that marketing push right. and saying it's not marketing really, what we need you to do is really automate, scale, and understand that this is something bigger than you. In other words, the company is bigger than you, just the person who's doing it. Up until now, you're thinking small. Now we're thinking much bigger. Right. And that was 
that obviously is a great accomplishment for you and for them. Right. They no, also, I don't even think we went in thinking that that's what we were going to do for them. And as it was happening, we're like, oh, this did, is did you ever you know? did you start picking up the uh, the hints or the clues in the, couple, the first couple of you know meetings with them? Well, we would build the strategy. What we usually do is we do a lot of research before we build a strategy. And while we were researching, we realized like, wow, there's so much potential that they're not even accessing. So when we created the strategy for them, we showed them like, actually, if you made like these two small changes, you have this whole thing open to you. Um, and we can easily do that, you know, by doing ABC. And they were like, what? Wow, that's amazing. You know, so it's kind of, we did like, once we started researching, we, we did realize that. But when they first called us, it was like, okay, we have this product and we want you to market. It wasn't necessarily, right. you know, we weren't like, oh, okay, great. So it's the aha moment in the beginning that yeah. you kind of realized. And that yeah. was, when you look at it, that you're saying is, why didn't they think of that? No, because I think I understand that when your head is in the sand and you're running, 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 like you don't have, you don't, you're not seeing big picture. And sometimes investing, you know, paying somebody else to look at the same process for you, uh, which is why people invest in coaches and why they invest in courses. Because it isn't necessarily that you don't have access to that information. You're maybe just not looking at it in that way. Right. So, the advantage of a consultant is always that you can have right. an external yeah. perspective. But I don't think I really understood what that looked like until we worked with them. And now when I talk to some like other clients, I can explain to them like, you're not just getting information you don't have access to. You're getting a fresh perspective of people who do this for a living and really approach things in a different way. Right. And that is, you know, I can't even tell you what the answer will be because it will look completely different than the question you're even asking. Right. And that I think is kind of a cool thing about consulting. And when we're, I'm happy to agree. The consulting business is awesome. I like it a lot. It gives you a lot of opportunities. There's a lot of juggling that you get to do, but some people are very good at that. Um, and that's usually the people who are very good at it are the ones that succeed. Now, the jugglers are good. Uh, just knowing when to I'm a mom, so I know how to do more than one thing. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm also, and I love that. I actually like that you recently put up a post about your laundry. Oh, um, you saw that, yes, yeah. Oh, Someone's yeah. like, Do you know that people are going to look at that? I was like, Yeah, who cares? I know I have a lot of laundry. Yes. Way, I, have, I have three times that amount of laundry going on. Oh, I didn't show the other room. Oh, that was that. Yeah. Was that. <laughs> but, anyways, um, so when you're t- talking about juggling, you're talking about. Um, making sure that people understand you know, the value of what you do as a consultant, what we do as a consultant, not only you, but you, your brothers, whatever. The value is there. People understand that they get it, but they also understand, they also are looking for someone who's, you know, they're looking to know that it's not just a company that we're like, okay, you walk in the door, at the end of the day, you do have to sell yourself in some way. They walk in the door, you work in, provide the service, everyone's great, you got the check. They don't want to know that they're just going to have like a bunch of people behind, they don't see the team, they want something real. They want something that's beyond just the, you know, the contract, right? We'll call it that. How do you make sure that they understand that this is everything that they get is what you see, what you see, what you get, right? A lot of people don't necessarily see that. A lot of people, at least in my experience, is they say is, okay, so you're going to basically, you're the salesperson. You're going to, you, you've convinced me, but now you're just going to give it off to some freelancers. Uh, and then, you know, we'll hope that it's good. But I want to know that you're part of it because I'm signing up to you. Or I'm signing up to you and your brother. Customer success. Right. I work with customer success rep. Uh, okay, well, that's why basically I didn't go into business by myself and I chose my mm-hmm. excellent brother. Um, I'm very bad at <laughs> client <laughs> management. Um, and I think that pretending... Oh, that's, that's talking about being open. And <laughs> no, I, I, look, I, if, I would be lying if I told you that I had a lot of patience and I was good at hand-holding. I dropped out of social work school because I was like, I cannot do this on a daily basis. Um, I think that when I focus on my strengths, our business does better. And so one of the things I realized, I think the second day uh, that we were working together was, oh, I'm really bad at something that you're really good at. So what we usually do with our clients is we both meet them. And they usually come 
because they heard about me or like I'm the face right now in our videos and I have contacts from you know my previous company that I was working at so I'm definitely more of the the front end you know people know me and that's great that gets people into the door and I right away from step one the first thing they do is they meet me in Barack I never go to an initial meeting um, by my, unless somebody just wants to meet for coffee or you know yeah. but if it's a potential client I always go with Barack um, sometimes they're, they feel they're like, who is this guy? Why are you here? But I'm, I'm off the bat. I establish my full trust, um, and my relationship with him so that there is no doubt if you want to work with me, it's a two pack, it's a two person, uh, deal. And you know, the first few meetings people were like, but I just wanted to work with you. I was like, that's not a thing. You don't get that option. Right. And if they're not comfortable with that, somebody, you know, actually the client that we ended up firing was very against me bringing my partner. And they kept saying, I just want you. I just want you. I said, I'm only, I'm only good as me when I have him. So I think once they see that I trust him, right. And if you trust me, then you have to kind of assume that you can trust my opinions. Um, and I let him also run half of the meeting so that it's clear that he's going to be the one managing that interface. Right. Um, I'm terrible at answering messages on WhatsApp. I'm not good at answering phone calls. Like I'm, I'm busy running our business um, and I'm going to be busy making your, you know, plan work. I'm going to be get busy creating content for you. Like that's a full-time job. Like I can't also be your therapist, but that's perfect because we have on staff a very handsome and knowledgeable gentleman who will answer literally all your questions. And I think within like the first week, people see like he just he does it so well and he's so good at handholding and I always laugh because I'm like wow I would have just been like okay you're being annoying like stop crying it's gonna be fine and like he really just makes them feel good and I think that not just delighting your customer you know but really investing in customer success I think that's what will make us successful not that the content we create for you is so great though it is but that the way that we manage our relationship with you makes you feel really taken care of and we can only do that because it's not me doing it I'm not a patient or a handholder Okay, that's well. That's, great. that's <laughs> it. being honest and being very open, which is great, and being raw. No one sees the faces. Of <laughs> the other side, but, okay. I know sometimes we're like, maybe you want to filter. I'm like, I don't know how to do it any other way. Filter is not always good. Um, so that's good. First of all, thanks for being unfiltered. Sure. So great. find a good, awesome partner who does. Right, stuff. match and who kind of resonates with your compliments your, yeah, work. Exactly. Now, you mentioned something very important. There. You said you create the content. Mm. You're creating content for someone. Is it always you in the content or are you doing creating videos? Oh, it's never me in the content. I mean, in my content, but that doesn't make sense. My goal is to teach you how to create your own content without me. Right. So I can either work with the marketing team that you have and teach them how to be, you know, doing it on their own. I'm not going to be sitting and reading your videos or, right. you know, writing all your blog posts. That doesn't make any sense. Um, I think once, what people don't realize is once you come up with a process, it's actually very easy to outsource. Yeah. Um, it's the initial creation of the templates and the formula and all that stuff that, that is that requires that's the hardest to do um, and the most time consuming. And then after that, you create a template and literally it's you know fill in the bullet points. Um, so you know whether we outsource to freelancers and then oversee the whole process or it's you know what me writing the blog post for you. There are lots of different options. Um, eventually, I we plan to not be creating the content for our customers rather to either train them to do it themselves or work with marketing teams. Um, but even when I was working in a video production company, what I realized was that big clients used to come to us to create videos for them. And once there was this um, concept of, oh, now we need a lot of video content, it wasn't sustainable anymore. So they hired in-house teams. So now most big companies that were kind of like the bread and butter of our production company were in-housing. In um, and then the little, you know, the smaller businesses, they didn't have money to invest in a big video, but they wanted to learn how to do it themselves. So I think I'm trying to create that, like straddle that, um, those two, uh, 
revenue streams, I guess you could call it, or like that business model of teaching people how to do it themselves and then working with teams that want to also create it themselves but are much bigger and just need that extra guidance. So eventually I will not be creating content for other people just for myself. Okay, that's awesome. So now that we've kind of spoken about your business, your model. Now that you know all my secrets. (laughs) Those secrets are no secrets. That's basically the way we run our company too. And the reason why I'm talking to entrepreneurs is because I like to hear their story, whether they're similar or different, how they approach things. Um, and also using the understanding that a lot of the skills that you just mentioned are very much the soft skills. Mm-hmm. Um, even though there's a lot of things that obviously you want, you're very driven, you're, you want to build your business in a hard way, you grow business with a lot of profit, which everyone wants to. But there are certain things that people need to understand that it's not only that. And that's very important. And when you understand that it's not only this or that, it's actually both, that's when business is successful. Both in terms of building trust, both in terms of understanding your audience and writing the content correctly, correctly and everything like that. My question for you is now, where do you see yourself besides two revenue streams saying not creating content for other people, but just creating for yourself and building that, um, growing your audience? Because obviously once you grow your audience, you're growing your, creating your own content for yourself. You're also creating your own revenue stream, right? That's a good, good cycle to be in, right? So where do you see yourself in the company in, let's say, a year and maybe even five years from now? Um, so that's something we actually talked about when we first started, because I think having that um, aim and really being able to visualize what you're heading for, even if you don't know what it looks like, but if you can like visualize what you're going to wear and like where office is going to be and who you're going to be working with, I think that really motivates you on the days where you're like, it's raining, I don't know what's happening, I want to go home. Which I have those days a lot. So um, I would say that our goals are in a year from now to um, have... A few different um, streams of revenue so that we're kind of differentiating our offers. I think a lot of times I see people have one thing that they invest a lot of time in and when that doesn't work out or things change, like it, it's very hard to build something from scratch. So we're trying to build a few different things from scratch so that if Facebook changes their algorithm or there's you know some sort of disastrous event or everything changes, we can very easily adapt. Um, so my goal would be in a year from now to have like three different models of um, uh, revenue streams. And uh, we hope to be um, running courses for entrepreneurs that are, God willing, going to be booked booked full and um, working with bigger clients that can afford, uh, like with bigger budgets to really afford to outsource the content. And then in five years from now, um, I'd like it all to be automated. I would like to be... I would like to have us flown all over the world to work with teams as consultants um, to be valued for not just our knowledge, but our expertise and experience and the way that we process information and have people view that as valuable enough to really pay for. And um, I really want to fly business class. That's literally my life goal. Um, I'd like to be able to afford a cleaning lady. Is that, is that a, <laughs> that's a one-year goal, <laughs> that that laundry needs to be folded. There's a difference um, between folding laundry and cleaning houses. That's true. <laughs> okay, well, whatever. I'll take, I'll take it. Um, I'd like to be able to afford that corner office over there and we work. Um, yeah, I think it's just I want to always be continuously adapting. And well, that's, oh, those are goals. I love them. First of all, I really think it's great and important to have those visual goals. Um, I, I think visualizing it is critical. Um, and now I have a question, a little bit taking one step back because I think this is really where people – in terms of content and in terms of creating valuable content is to understand how far back you take the data that you have. In other words, you're obviously creating content that's valuable to their, your client and to their consumers. 
But in order to do that, you have to understand, you have to build a strategy. The strategy is, needs to be strong and something that they understand and they, they get and they're embracing. But more importantly is that you have to say, is, I know who your audience is based on research that we've done, which is important, but also because we're looking at what you have already. You're not taking, you could be creating something from nothing, which is what, usually what startups are, right? But even they, they look at research and understand their market. What does the data and how did data drive, drive your success with, not with your own company, but with your clients? That's a very good question. And I think it's actually the most underutilized uh, trick in the book. I feel like everyone thinks we have like some secret method and I'm like, literally we create Google Forms and then interview everybody. Right. Um, and all of the companies that I've worked for that have managed to grow and to actually create successful strategies and campaigns for are the ones who, who allow us to spend the most time in the research stage. Um, so we do everything from, you know, like it starts off with like questionnaires and lurking in Facebook groups and, you know, doing phone interviews and meeting with people and running focus groups. Like all these things are so valuable and you learn something new every time. A lot of um, companies actually have data they don't even realize that they have. <laughs> even if you ever posted a video on your Facebook page, there's like tons of analytics you can get just from that. Um, so it's really, you know, not about recreating the wheel or doing anything crazy, but just taking about what you already have. You, you know more than you know. Right. Um, you know, we have kind of like questions that we, we have our clients fill out that kind of helps them start thinking in that way of like, okay, well, you had a client who came in, you know, what was the, what was the one thing that they needed to hear from you before they were willing to buy, right? And they're like, oh, they wanted to know that I had a coffee machine in my office, right? So it's not even something you'd think about, but actually it turns out that's like a huge turning point for them. And so that's really what you should be focusing on in your marketing campaign because they don't care that you're a great lawyer. They really wanted to know that you had a coffee machine. Right. Um, so it's just kind of helping people take that data and form a more clear perspective. So you're not just creating content that, about what you want to say. You're creating content about what your audience wants to hear. Um, and, but I think that's the hardest mind shift for people to make is like, but I wanted to make a video about, and I'm like, I don't care what you wanted to make a video that's about. Actually, that's what yeah. I was, was going to say is that the biggest mind switch in, my, in our experience has been that you have this, all this data, you're not using it. Most of these companies don't use it for whatever reason. They say, oh yeah, we've reached this sales, you know, this sales point, we've reached this sales target. We're great. We're really happy. But, and I said, well, what about all that data to get them there, to get them to that sale? How much data do you have about that? Oh, they're like, well, we have tons of it. We just don't know what to do with it. And I'm like, well, instead of talking about what you you want to do, instead of talking about what they want you to want to hear, wouldn't make a lot, and that, not convincing them, but getting them to understand that is is the aha moment for most of the time when you're talking about storytelling, content, data. That's the that that's really it. Now, data is obviously a very hard, you know, thing. It's a number, right? You can, data and metrics are fun, and but at the same time, they're. I love that. But they're also, but they're also boring. I mean, in some ways, they're boring, right? But at the same time, is that data drives your story, which is like the softer, right. uh, let's call it what the less. Um, it's the sexier harder. version yeah. of data. Yeah, I, I think, think you know, I read, a friend of mine has this T-shirt that says, "Data is the new bacon." Uh, <laughs> so if something keeps kosher. It's kind of. I don't even like to call it data because I think people get freaked out. It's the same yeah. way when you say strategy, they're like, right. "I don't know what that is." Right. I just like to say, "You already have the answers. Let's just go look at what you already have right. for the answers." So I, I, I say something very uh, similar, and that's why I enjoy talking to someone who's uh, <laughs> in the same mindset. 
I, I use the same kind of ideas. So it's not data. I use it. You know, let's look back. Let's let's go. Open, you know, look behind your look at the back end. Mm-hmm. Look at your you know site. Look at your analytics. Right. All those things. And I usually do is we kind of walk them through it and show them what it is, right. as opposed to just saying, "Okay, we're going to go into a room, have fifty guys look at it." Exactly. Like, they envision mm-hmm. like the black screen with the mm-hmm. green types. Right. They're like, "No, that's no, not what that data way. looks like." Right. So when we look at it that way, I think that tells them a very clear picture of what their success is, which is great. Um, so you're, del- you're, you're demystifying that data, which I think is great. When, and you've envisioned your success, which is amazing. What kind of uh, data do you find is the most interesting to that, like to, the, to your customers in terms of like simple things? Um, so I'll just give an example. From Put your Facebook insights aside because that's like everyone's just like, well, that's... No, know. no, but I think, the, so that's I think actually the most interesting to them is they think that um, every time somebody watches their video, right, like that's great. Um, and then when I go inside and I actually show them that really a thousand people only watched for three seconds, they're like crestfallen right. because they had this. And I think that's where the difference between like vanity metrics and actual data is like, let's just look for also maybe those thousands of people weren't even in the right country right. or like they weren't the right age range. You know, there's just, there's, there's kind of like the big numbers that people get excited by. And then there's, when you look at the minute details that it kind of is like very, you can use the word kish because everyone, <laughs> everyone knows what that is. Um, so I always, I always start there just to like, to get them used to even just understanding that not all numbers are are equal. And I also very often show our very small numbers, right? It's like, okay, we had thousands of views on this Facebook video, but actually look on YouTube, we only had 126 because those 126 people clicked on the link. So I just, and I'm like, but we managed from those 126 to create this kind of sale or to get, get this client. So getting used to people getting used to looking at numbers that you don't need a lot in order to have them be very valuable. Right. Um, so those are, I mean, and I also love like, you know, statistical research and, and all that stuff, but I find that clients, they just want to hear like the end result. Like tell me that like tachlis, like what, what does that mean? Tachlis means just get me to the <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I'm not used to having to like speak to like an American audience, yes. Just like bottom line, well, what does this mean? So right. they like to have that kind of like summed up for them nicely. Um, but yeah, they don't also don't always believe me. Sometimes I'll be like, no, but look at the numbers. They're like, no, but but really we know. I'm like, no, but really you don't know. That's why you called me. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Now, so we've, got, we've talked a lot of di- about different topics. You've talked about your strategy, your success points, what it looks like for your own company. We've talked about how you work with clients, which is amazing because I think it really is interesting and in how you look at a big picture but then bring it down to the smaller. And then you've also talked about something really important, which is taking the data that we have. And like you said, you, most of the information that you need and their company's success is within them. Right, it's not like there's power within you, whatever you want to call it. Right, search inside you yourself. You have the right. power. Right, hey, that's He-Man. Um, <laughs> right, um, remember He-Man? No. Okay, Before your time. Before your time. Okay. Um, anyway, so so the power of uh, you know the, the information is usually inside and, and visualizing that. Right, so it could be visual, it could be a blog post, it could be a video, it could be an infographic, whatever. That's the key. A podcast. A podcast could be right also. Um, so. Those are awesome. I, I like it. Uh, I love it, actually. I think it's, it's important for people to understand how consultant strategists work and how we operate and not only just, you know, we don't just do the work, which is important, but it's also understanding for you to help you learn about it yourself because a consultant or a strategist who doesn't educate their consumer or their client is basically useless, um, in my opinion. And I think that's where a lot of consultants get the bad name, um, at least in my experience. I mean, that could be wrong. Uh, but... Now that you've told me where you want to be, 
and you've told me your ideal client and what you'd like to do besides you know flying business, which is great on your corner. It's very office. important. It's very important. As someone who's flying business, I've got upgraded Victor business, to oh. be fair. Okay, I got upgraded, but I missed out on the entire thing because I fell asleep. Oh, no. I'm gonna be awake the whole time. <laughs> so as someone who did it, it's awesome. I can tell you that. What are three things that you're working on right now? Um, so we are working on um, our paid course that we spent a lot of time developing based off of the data that we gathered for our own uh, usage. Uh, we're working on creating partnerships with bigger clients um, and really collaborating so that we can expand our network to, out of just the people who know us and hear about us without having... I don't, I don't really like to pay for, for that kind of uh, exposure. I would much rather organically work through it. So, um, you know, we've, we've been inter interviewing a lot of, um, you know, bigger influencers in different spaces and all over Israel who use content in order to also position ourselves as, uh, you know, in connection to them. Uh, and the third thing is uh, we just... I guess we just moved to a new office, which was very exciting. And I forgot to mention that. Yeah. <laughs> Yesterday you posted that you were in your new office, new year, everything, which is yeah, great. Yeah, and I think um, a lot of people were like, why are you doing that? It's only the two of you. And I think my brother had a really good point. He's like, the same way that you need to dress um, you know, appropriately to an interview or you need to really dress the part because that changes your mindset about right. how you attract people, having an office space and being like, this is our job. This is not like, I'm not home on my couch. Right. This isn't like a thing. You know, this is real. This is my business. I think for a long time I was very like, should I just go get a real job? And then I, and then you know, really changing my mindset to this is my real job and I'm gonna kick its butt. Um, so moving to the office I think was like the first step of that. And I guess those are three things that were. So you have, you said one is to create a video course. No, not a video course. A I content mean, so marketing course. Content marketing course. Sorry. It's in person, so there's no video. Okay, content marketing course that's in person, which is paid, mm -hmm. which is a great revenue stream. You said to work with new and partner and collaborate with bigger companies, bigger influencers, bigger teams. And you said number three is? To expand our team in this lovely office that we have. We have four desks and there's only two of us. So. Although okay. I don't really see how four people could fit in here. But. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, that, that's always a question. All right, so, you have to, so, you have, so those are your three goals. Anything that you would like to do for 2019 be like, I wish, my goal of like of all goals would be for 2019 to hit this goal besides getting new clients like something amazing um i would actually really just like to be present i think that that is the hardest thing for me as i'm always running and i'm always hustling and i'm really good at doing the hard work i'm not so good at stopping and just enjoying where i am when i'm there and one of the things that i really want to like look back at 2019 and remember it I don't want to get to the end and be like, I did so much, but I don't even know what I was doing. I was just running. Okay. Um, so that's awesome. So Great. Yeah, that's and so now if we wanted to learn more about you or learn about the classes that you're going to be giving and or the Facebook group that you mentioned, where can we find that? So the Facebook group is called Marketing for Entrepreneurs in Israel. There are no other groups with that name, so right. <laughs> to be easy to find us. Um, we, you can uh, check out our Facebook page, which is Two Heads Consulting. There's actually a few of those, so we're the one with the cool blue logo. That's the two heads. And um, we have a website, twoheadsil.com, because IL for Israel. Okay. Um, and you can look me up on LinkedIn. Okay, Sivan awesome. Salter. So Sivan and Barak, the, the silent partner. The silent partner. Can we call you Silent Bob? Silent Bob. Right, Silent Bob. No. He actually uh, has a lot to say. Yeah, I'm sure he does. <laughs> Most people are the ones who are the quieter, you know, the ones who are the smiles, yes. like those wise, snarky remarks. But 
Awesome. So thank you very much for your both of your time. Thank I really you. appreciate it. Uh, well, this will go live in the next couple, within the next probably week. All right. Uh, and we'll turn around. My uh, first podcast it. interview. How did I do? Nice. I did it very well. Yeah. Be sure to sign up for the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. And remember, the next time you're doing business in the digital economy, make sure to empathize it. <laughs>